Hello boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and as promised, this solo episode is going to be an actual presentation that I've done a handful of times, and this also serves a great purpose because I need to record this for my mentorship. So today's topic is assessments, and more specifically, the functional movement screen that I use with every single client that I've ever trained in my entire career essentially and I'm basically going to explain why I use it, why I think it should be the gold standard for every coach and then when you get really really um, comfortable with this one that's where I encourage people to kind of branch out to other assessment tools out there and figure out the best way for yourself and I know in the industry there is a lot of debate of why the FMS is not the gold standard, but at the same time, I find that these people are more criticizers than actual people that, you know, improve our industry in the whole. So when you look at the functional movement screen and what it's done in over two decades now, um, it's honestly laid a foundation for so many other fitness professionals out there and if someone can point me in the direction of a company that's created an assessment tool like the FMS that have paved the way and has explored movement like no other person out there I'm waiting (laughs) so without further ado we're going to go into the functional movement screen how I use it and get to a point where Um, we'll look at the overhead squat and that's where I'll stop maybe or go a little bit further. We'll see how we do on time. And if anyone wants to learn more specifically of each movement, um, I can send them a link to the actual presentation I gave in person. So for those listening, I am going off slides, but I'm going to try to depict a beautiful picture for you listeners and those who are watching over YouTube. Enjoy the show. So, functional movement screen. Here we go. We're going to go over the history of the FMS, and it all starts with this guy, Gray Cook, and not this guy, Grizzly Adams. So if you're listening, I have a GIF image of Grizzly Adams close-up where he looks exactly like Gray Cook and he's just nodding away. Um, That's another thing to realize is the way I present. I put in a lot of funny GIFs and memes and things like that, and that's how I create presentations. I start off with funny memes and GIFs and then work the information around those things, but in this one I don't put a lot because heavy on information. So... Who is um, Gray Cook? Well, easy enough. He's a physical therapist. He's an author, speaker, strength coach, and the creator of the Functional Movement Screen, which we are going to go over today. And he started the foundation and process of creating the FMS back in 1998, and the premise was to place a standard on movement. So he was kind of frustrated in physical therapy school where there's all these different orthopedic tests and a lot of them will, you know, test internal rotation of this joint, external rotation of this joint and blah, 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 blah. But it never translated to human movement and how 
the body worked when you placed exercise upon it. So a good example is if someone doesn't have enough internal and external rotation of their hips, their back squat is going to be kind of all over the place. But maybe that same individual, when you place them under a barbell and you know they have terrible internal rotation of their hip, but for some reason, their squat looks good. Why? Right? So this is the struggle that he had. And quite beautifully, he created this screen that would translate directly to what you did on the gym. Then he wrote a book about it called Athletic Body and Balance, I think in 98, 99. And this was kind of the first adaptation of um, the FMS. And then he also wrote a very thorough book called Movement, where he goes and um, goes in great detail of what the functional movement screen is and the SFMA, which is the practitioner version of the FMS, which we'll get into. But essentially, um, if you want to know the ins and outs of the functional movement screen, the book Movement is highly recommended. Um, it's a little bit more on the science side, but I've actually had a handful of clients that are interested in training that went down the route of buying the book and were kind of floored with like, holy crap, like this all makes sense. Um, some other good resources. Um, Gray's done a lot of DVD um, presentations and collaborations, and he's done one with Greg Rose, who's a chiropractor, and he's the co-founder of um, TPI, which is an abbreviation for the Titleist Performance Institute. So the TPI actually has their own assessment that Gray and Greg Rose uh, came together along with other fitness professionals and therapists out there in the industry to create a specific assessment for golfers. And that assessment alone is freaking amazing. So the cool thing about that, it's a pass or fail for each movement. And each movement, depending on what you've um, failed, will have a correlating swing fault. So even before I see a golfer swing, I already know what they're doing. And I always give this example where when I try to explain what it is, so say they failed four things out of the assessment and then I go hey you know based on your assessment you early extend and sway to the right and your ball slices to the left every time you swing and they're like oh my god how how did you know it's just the freaking assessment this is where I think a lot of coaches miss out like this is where I don't understand why so many coaches train clients without doing a thorough assessment it's like how do you know what to do with the individual like it almost makes you more of a professional being prepared going into the session if you know x y and z about your client and what exercises are going to help promote better movement patterns and getting people out of pain right like this is probably one of my biggest pet peeves in the industries when i hear coaches that don't have an assessment form and again, I don't care if it's the functional movement screen or something you made up or something you stole from somebody else, at least have something to figure out what direction you're going to go in when you're training clients. Bam, rant over. So another couple people that he's collaborated with, Dan John Lee Burns. So Dan John, if you don't know who he is, I've had him on my show early, early on. Um, he's been a strength coach for... 
30, 40 years, and he's adapted a lot of the teachings of Greg Cook, how to assess athletes, how to make them stronger, faster, and without fucking up their joints. Uh, Lee Byrne is the co-founder of the Functional Movement uh, Company, and it's also another physical therapist, really, really smart guy, another person you should definitely follow. Um, and then another person that he's collaborated with, Alan Cosgrove. So if you don't know who the Cosgroves are, Alan and Rachel um, are a couple out in California that has a gym that is called Results Fitness, one of the best gyms in America when it comes to clients' results and running a successful business. So anyone listening that is a coach that wants to learn about business and how to run a gym effectively, listen up to the Cosgroves. I've had Alan on my show before, so definitely check out that episode. And two other smart, really, really really smart people that Gray has collaborated with, and they are Dr. Stuart McGill, which I've had on my show. I was floored with the information that he was giving me and to you guys. Um, Highly recommend that you check him out. Top researcher when it comes to spine mechanics and what happens to the spine during exercise and movement. And then another uh, therapist, Greg Levinson, another really, really smart guy when it comes to human movement, movement, assessing movement, everything. So Greg Cook, Stuart McGill, and Greg Levinson, Greg Rose, those guys follow everything they do because they are going to fast track your career. And if you are just a regular Joe, they are going to save you a lot of trips to physical therapists if you are training into the gym. Man, that was a lot. So going back to the history of the FMS, I always start with this quote, motion is life. I really, really love this saying because it makes a lot of sense. Like our bodies are designed to move, right? When we don't move, things don't work that well, right? I always make the Um, stupid joke to patients that if you don't move a joint like it's designed to if you don't use it you lose it right your body is a very smart machine when it realizes that hey you haven't moved your hip past 90 degrees because you sit all day i'm going to take away that ability because it's energy sucking for you to squat below 90 degrees because you have not placed that stress So now when you go into your gym and everyone's squatting ass to grass and for some reason you are getting stuck in 90 degrees, it's because your body's adapted to that. So I always go back to this quote, like, our bodies are meant for movement. The more we move, the better we're going to get at as human beings. You know, so when Gray was looking at this um, screen idea, he wanted to create a standard for movement. And he wanted to base it off of like, you know, you go anywhere in the world and when they screen for hypertension, we use a blood pressure cuff, right? Like that's a standard across. And when he started this um, process, he was trying to figure out like what movements should be part of the screen to standard standardize movement. So when you start thinking about as us humans like what do we do from a developmental stage right so if you look through what a child goes through from 
birth until it's starting to walk, there are certain stages, right? If you start thinking about it, you know, you start with neck control, you start rolling over, then you start crawling, then you start kneeling, squatting, standing, climbing, and then eventually you start running, like locomotion, right? So I love using this picture I have of basically a baby going into uh, a toddler where they develop. So if you think about how a baby starts off, they're lying on their back. And then they go into a prone position where they're on their bellies. And if you think of what happens first is that they develop a really, really strong um, control of their neck and all those muscles that control neck movement. And then they end up learning how to roll over. So if you think of what applies to rolling, it's a lot of core stability that's required in order for a child to roll over and then you get into like a quadruped position as a child and what are we developing there we're developing a lot of shoulder stability shoulder strength hip stability hip strength and then we get into crawling we got that reciprocal opposite arm opposite leg that is already translating to how we're going to start walking and running and then we go into a sitting position like now we're developing movements that are kind of similar to how we squat, right? And from there, we go into kneeling positions. And then eventually, um, that child is going to learn how to get into a half-kneel position, stand up, go into squatting positions. They're going to start standing up straight. They're going to start walking. And now you have a little guy running around, right? So this was kind of the basis, kind of the brainchild of what the functional movement screen became. So I get this question a lot is what can the FMS do, right? So if you think about what the FMS screen allows you to do, it's designed to capture pain before exercise, right? So I think this was done so beautifully because so many times when you train somebody, they've had a history of injuries, car accidents, joints that are stiff, joints that are achy and pissed off and wouldn't it make more sense to know all those things beforehand when designing a program, right? Like, say you started exercising and you want to put in shoulder press, for example, because everyone at the gym does the shoulder press. But if you have a joint that's achy, you pressing overhead on a joint that's not functioning the way it should be probably not going to feel good afterwards and it's probably not going to feel any better a month from now if you were consistently pressing overhead so this is almost becomes like a risk management tool so when i get someone in and i ask them tell me all your injuries that you've had in your life most of the time people are not going to tell you anything they're going to be like you know what no i'm good there was one time i rolled my ankle and that's it but as you start doing this screen when things don't feel right, don't move right, there's pain captured, they go, oh, well, actually, I did tear my rotator cuff and never rehabbed it. And you're like, okay, here we go. So now you write down on your little sheet for the FMS that I'll talk about soon is, all right, this person has a torn rotator cuff back in 2004, never rehabbed it, and now we're not going to do any pressing overhead. And I'm going to get into that as well. So the other thing, too, that a lot of people make the mistake is that the FMS is not a musculoskeletal evaluation. It's not an orthopedic test. It is a screen for movement. 
so many coaches that do end up going into the FMS when they look at certain movements, they overanalyze, overthink, they're like, well, the hips were doing this thing, the toe was going out a little bit, it's definitely this muscle and that muscle not firing at the same sequence, and blah, 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 blah. No, it's just a screen for movement. Can the person do it or not with efficiency? So I always tell people, especially coaches that are starting out, you are not a chiro or a physio or any kind of therapist or medical professional out there to decide whether or not a joint is whatever medical term you want to give it because the shoulder mobility test presented this. It is just a screen that will allow you to rate and rank movement patterns. And if there's any kind of dysfunctional pattern, which is, you know, if you know a shoulder that is able to press overhead, you would ideally think that their bicep would be able to be right beside their ear and not like at a 90 degree angle like you're bench pressing while standing. Um, and if there's any asymmetries, because you'll see this in the FMS too, is that say one shoulder has really, really good mobility and for some reason the left side, terrible not even comparable to one side. So now you have all this new information of how this person's um, body's functioning. And then this is the big one. You're not able to diagnose anything from the screen. Just because someone scored super, super low or just failed every single thing, you can't say, hey, because you did this, you have X issue with your joint. No, it's can they do the movement or not? So what you're able to do with the functional movement screen is identify pain, how the movement looks, if there's any dysfunctional patterns and asymmetries. So with that being said, when you have this information, you can now start create a blueprint for yourself or for um, a client that you want to train. So when you think about it, um, when there's a dysfunctional or asymmetrical pattern um, found in the client, they usually will have a high risk for injury. So this is where the FMS gets a lot of, let's say, flack or like people arguing that, hey, the FMS can't predict people having injuries. Yes, I get that. And the research is not the greatest on it. But if someone's shoulders, T-spine, hips, and every other joint in their body doesn't move as well as, say, someone that has no issues whatsoever and they go through the FMS like nobody's business, I would probably predict the person with terrible joint mechanics is probably have a higher chance of injuring themselves, especially in a gym setting when they have no idea how to move their body. Right, so if you take off um, the whole debate whether or not the FMS can predict injury, the FMS is definitely a good route to go down if you want to have a baseline of how people move and what you should do with them. Right, so when people don't follow 
It's kind of like the FMS flow chart of movement and how to improve movement quality. Essentially what happens is when you go to the gym and you're following a program that you downloaded or bought from a coach that's not specific to you because they've never done an assessment on you or you found a magazine and you're going to do a workout called you know, six weeks to a bigger chest, what you're doing is essentially building strength over dysfunction. And what that means is you're going to end up injured or having a more achy joint than it should be. And I use this analogy all the time where you're basically throwing grenades and hoping for the best. Most people don't know how to program for themselves or for others. So at least if you are well rehearsed in how the FMS works, you have somewhere where you can start. So if you think about it, if movement, any movement is dysfunctional and you're building on top of it, whatever you're building, strength, endurance, hypertrophy, it's going to be flawed and compromised. Right, so I use this analogy a lot, where um, you know you're hitting a square peg in a round hole constantly, and eventually something's going to snap, break, chip, whatever. So what I try to convince to new trainers is that you know we should consider movement deficiencies first before we develop power, strength, or flexibility, or whatever the goal is. If you know someone's shoulder doesn't move the way a shoulder should. Wouldn't you want to improve that joint before you start slapping 225 on a barbell? Something's going to give, right? If you are not good at being a human being, when you try to do exercise, you're not going to do too well. Remember, exercise is a human invention because we don't move as much as we did back thousands of years ago, right? Even athletics, like our shoulder joint is not designed to throw a baseball 30,000 plus times a year without any kind of compromise to the joint itself, right? So we need to look at what's deficient in our bodies first and create a base and focus on the fundamentals and not super sexy exercises that we find on Instagram and Facebook, right? If you want to win the game on feeling and moving better and getting strong and getting lean, following the protocol from the functional movement screen is a way to go. So if you translate this to how people want to lose weight, for example, and you take them through the functional movement screen and they're a disaster, but their whole goal is to lose weight, and you tell them, hey, you can't do X, Y, or Z for exercises right now, but they don't feel like listening to you, they'll get to a certain point where something has to give and your body tells you to F off and now you have an injury and you have to stop going to the gym. And we all know when it comes to successful weight loss, it's the long game. So now when you go back into this whole rehab and movement world, it kind of coincides and almost becomes the partner to successful weight loss and fat loss. Because if the body moves the way it should, you can continue exercising. Like, I don't understand why people don't put two and two together. But this is where, as us coaches, we need to come together and educate. And people should know that your joints need to move well in order to do exercise. So there's a system how the FMS works. So there is a... FMS level one certification that teaches you how to use the screen and how to interpret it and 
kind of starts off of how and what to do afterwards. And then they have the FMS level two, where it goes over corrective strategies, how to improve people's um, mechanics when it comes to movement. And then, like I um, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, there's a therapist version called the SFMA. Um, So that essentially is looking at the FMS and breaking it apart even further. So if someone's overhead deep squat was terrible and had pain, now you can go to a therapist that's certified in SFMA, give them your results, and they already know where to go, and it's going to start breaking down the pattern of what's going on, and they can figure out and diagnose what the issue is and now relay the information back to the trainer of what you should do and not to do and also give some suggestions on exercise selection. So now you have created this team around the client and now becomes really, really specific to the person, right? So it almost is a disservice to any client out there that we don't do this for them. Like we need to create a baseline on movement to help our clients move and feel better. Bam, all right. So. The screen itself has seven tests, and it's broken up in two parts. So if you look at it, there's primitive movement patterns and higher-level movement patterns. And they also break it down into basic stability and mobility movement patterns of something called reciprocal reach pattern and supine alternating leg raising pattern. We'll go into depth in this later, but essentially when you look at... um, how we go back to that example of uh, baby developing, Um, there is a reaching pattern that babies will do when they're on their bellies, and that also kind of translates into them rolling and eventually like playing around with their feet and trying to raise their legs, and that's developing core, hip stability, flexibility, everything, you name it. Now from there, it goes into transitional movement patterns that require a higher degree of stability, coordination, movement quality. Um, Those go into things like the trunk stability test, the push-up pattern, and any kind of quadruped uh, rotational stability pattern. I know this is a lot of information, but all will make sense in the end. Now, we get into higher level movement requirements, things like squatting, lunging, and stepping. But all those things I just mentioned are like the small little foundational things that we need in order to do things like squatting, lunging, and stepping. So if you look at how a baby develops, like is someone proficient in actually lying on their back and doing an exercise? They haven't probably exercised in two decades because they've been sitting at a desk Um, working as an accountant or on their computer or whatever. So now they almost lost that ability to do those simple things, but everyone goes past those things that we need as human beings and they go into the higher level movement patterns like squatting, lunging, and stepping. And then you wonder why people's knees buckle in when they squat or when they lunge, their quads are super tight. So all those little things that I've mentioned earlier is what we need as a foundation to move ahead to the things that we all want to do. So the seven patterns in the FMS goes as follows. We have the squat, the hurdle step, inline lunge, shoulder mobility, active straight leg raise, the trunk stability push-up, and rotary stability. So breaking this down a little bit further, the squat, 
hurdle step and inline lunge demonstrate a core stability in three essential foot positions as us humans experience on a daily basis. And in the FMS community, we kind of refer to them as the big three, and they require the most um, core stability, coordination, motor control, you name it. Like Those are the three that you need to be able to function really um, highly at in order to move without you know, pissing off any kind of joints. Now, if you look at the other four, um, they kind of refine informa- information when you place the body um, under any kind of load or movement and they interact upon each other to help identify weak, uh, weak links in movement patterns. So if someone's big three, which is the squat, hurdle, step, and inline lunge, have some weird, funky stuff happening, you look at the other four tests to determine what's going on because it kind of paints a bigger picture and goes a little bit more specific. So the cool thing in the FMS is like as you go through the order, things keep popping up. So an example is if someone's right hip is doing some weird thing in the squat, that right hip thing is probably going to show up in the hurdle step, the inline lunge, and then again in the active straight leg raise, probably in the rotary stability test, and it's just gonna keep popping up. So now you see this um, pattern, and now you kinda know where to go. So everything works in harmony in this um, screen, and I think that's where this should be kind of the gold standard. They work upon each other, right? So the other thing um, that the FMS has is a scoring system. So if you look at how the FMS scores, a three is like a perfect, a two is that the person can do it, one is that they could barely do it with a lot of compensations in the movement pattern itself, and um, a zero is if they couldn't do it or if pain was present. So for me, when I first started with the... um, FMS as a coach, I found that I was way too obsessed with the numbers. I was also telling clients that, hey, this was a two, but you want to aim for a three and blah, blah, blah. This is another reason why people will uh, debate the FMS as a scoring system. So when I look at the scoring system nowadays, I don't score. I just write down, can they do it? Yes or no. Right, so it's scored out of 21, and if you had 14 out of 21, you basically pass, you're like good to go, you don't have the risk of injury. Anything below 14, you're basically like a walking, ticking time bomb in the eyes of the FMS. In my opinion, I look at the quality of the movement. So I don't score, I just go, yep, they could do it, or they did an amazing job, or I'll write down notes for each movement pattern. So I think I'm going to end it there because that was a lot of information and I'm going to do a part two to this where we break down the big three and give a chance for all of you guys to digest this information. Hopefully this was beneficial. I know I got a little bit sciencey and everything like that, but this is the stuff I really, really enjoy and I feel like everyone should know a little bit about their bodies and how they move.
Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Thank you for listening to me ramble. You guys are amazing. Share, 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 share this podcast with your friends and family. Give me a five-star review on anything. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. I'm going to say what's up. And thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome.